By now you have picked up that it is not only Pentecost Sunday, but it's Confirmation Sunday. We have two passages of Scripture. Uh, the, the story of Pentecost is found in the New Testament uh, Gospel or New Testament book of Acts of the Apostles. It's in the second chapter, and instead of reading it to you, we have a video. You've, many of you have heard it before, a video of the day of Pentecost. When the Feast of the Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard one after another their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept saying, aren't these the Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? Others joked, they're drunk on cheap wine. And that's when Peter stood up and backed by the other eleven, spoke out with bold urgency. Fellow Jews! All of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. These people aren't drunk, as some of you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billowing smoke. The sun turned black and the moon blood red. Before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous, and whoever calls out for help to me, God, will be saved. The passage today is 1 John uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. See what love God has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our redeemer. 
Amen. Surely a significant service we celebrate this morning, the Sunday on which young persons affirm for themselves the promises made on their behalf when they were baptized, is always a meaningful one. For many of you adults gathered here, you have watched these young people grow, taught them in Sunday school, played with them in vacation Bible school, sang with them in the choir, laughed and perhaps cried with them on a retreat trip. And whereas this day is the culmination of a confirmation journey which began last fall, in reality it's a step in a process which began when each of these kids were baptized. You see, at their baptism their parents or guardians made promises on their behalf. Today they make these promises their own. Baptism as an infant and confirmation as a young adult may be separated by time, but they are part and parcel of the same journey with God as the central player. The passage that Henry read from 1 John provides the opportunity, I'm sorry, Billy, that Billy read from 1 John provides the opportunity to reflect upon the journey these youth are taking. The letter from which these verses Come is a loving and anxious sermon to several churches, probably written around 100 A.D. The author is anxious because these second and third generation Christians were losing some of their enthusiasm, some of their confidence. They were beginning to wonder how to be, a, how to be faithful disciples in the midst of a pagan world. Doubts were creeping in about the validity and significance of their faith in light of this reality, and the author seeks to reassure them. And though some, what, 2,000 years separate us from the audience to whom these words were addressed, today, faithful discipleship is still a challenge. We still wonder, we still question the validity and significance of our faith in light of the world around us. We still struggle to maintain enthusiasm and confidence. Well, for our purposes, this is our purposes this morning, I lift up one particular verse, verse 2, which reads, Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this, when He is revealed, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. Two simple points not only to our confirmands, but to all gathered here. First, remember who you are. Beloved, we are God's children now. You know, the Bible tells us that we are created in God's image. This means that something of the essence of God's is in each of us, in each of us. Every person gathered here, and by extension, each person who is living on this earth who, or who has ever lived also has that divine spark. True, that spark may be buried under layers of hate or anger or confusion or simple misunderstanding, but it's still there. It's still there. But you see, in order to be a child in more than simply name, we must claim God as our parent. When these youths were infants, these young people were infants, that claim was made for them. Today they stand as young adults, 
ready to make that claim to be for themselves. To be a child of God, to be loved by God, to be cherished by God, is a status the depth of which a whole lifetime cannot begin to fathom. We're not orphans stranded on this planet whirling through space, but heirs of the covenant God made with His people Israel and sealed in the gift of Christ. We are not alone. God, as our parent, is with us. Beloved, we are God's children now. My friends, embrace that reality. Never forget it. And never let anyone take it from you. The second message is this. Remember what you can become. Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He, that is Christ, appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We shall be like Christ. Dr. Bob Stamps is a, mission, a seminary professor who happens to be bald, which is important. One night he and his wife went out for dinner. They left their two small children with a babysitter. The babysitter got interested in a television program and didn't supervise the children very well. For when the parents returned, they found that their little son, Peter Andrew, had found his father's electric razor and had shaved a big strip right down the middle of his head. Dr. Stamp said, Peter, I have told you not to play with my razor. You are in a heap of trouble. Peter said, wait until you see my sister. <laughs> they ran into their four-year-old daughter's room, and there she was with all her hair shaved off. Now Bob was really, really furious, and just as he was about to explode, Peter Andrew looked at him with tears in his eyes and said, Dad, we were just trying to look like you. John suggests the goal of the Christian life is to look like Christ. That is to seek to live your life as Christ lived while on earth. And what a worthy goal, but a weighty challenge that is. Two caterpillars were crawling across the grass when they saw a butterfly flutter above them. One nudged the other and said, You couldn't get me up in one of those things for a million dollars. How much are we like those caterpillars? We become so familiar with what is that we fail to see what God can make of us. We fail to understand that we really can become more like Christ. As we worship, as we study, as we join in fellowship, as we reach out in service to people, as we live our lives with compassion, justice, grace, and humility, we gradually and increasingly come to resemble our Lord. What a worthy goal to seek to look like Jesus. You might be thinking, there's not much chance I will resemble Christ anytime soon. I'm too young, or selfish, or short-tempered, or prone to anger, or unattractive, or shy. But remember, Jesus has a long history of taking ordinary people and helping them become extraordinary. 
He took a, a ragtag group of followers and turned them into a team of disciples. He took an intolerant bigot named Paul and made him an ambassador of a universal gospel. He took a, a wishy-washy fisherman named Simon Peter and made him the founder of the church. And Christ can do the same for you and for me, wherever you are in your station in life, and mold you into a disciple. So for a takeaway today, I invite you to reflect on how in your walk of faith you might become like Christ. What are some things you can do on a practical level to become more Christ-like? One day a writer traveled to an isolated monastery to interview a holy man who was reputed to be a genius. The writer asked him, what is it about a person that qualifies him or her to be called a genius? The holy man answered, the ability to recognize. The ability to recognize what? asked the writer. The ability to recognize the butterfly in a caterpillar, the eagle in an egg, and the saint in a selfish human being. Friends, there is a miracle of creation inside each of us waiting to burst forth in ways only God can imagine. These youth, and all of us have as children of God, the privilege and responsibility of seeking to grow into Christ, to resemble Christ in what we say, what we do, how we live our lives. We do not yet know what we shall become, what these youth shall become as they grow. But as God's children, we have confidence the outcome will be something to behold. Let us pray. Perplexing Pentecostal God, you infuse us with your spirit, urging us to vision and dream. May the gift of your presence find voice in our lives, that our babbling may be transformed into discernment, and the flickering of many tongues light an unquenchable fire of compassion and justice, now and always. Amen.